Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Quantum Love Podcast. I'm your host, Kelsey Grant, and I'm so excited to dive into this conversation with you today. Um, but before we do, just a couple of announcements to have on your radar. Uh, there is a drop-in class for Embodied Alchemy this Sunday, June 26th at 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. And if you can't make the live session, everyone who is registered also receives access to the replay for an entire week. So you'd have a week to do the class if you feel the call to come and do some embodiment work. I'm going to be doing a transmission on nourishment and the connection nourishment has to not only the health of our relationships, but also our capacity to deepen our ability to love. So it's going to be juicy. The journey itself is a very nourishing one, um, obviously, (laughs) and we're going to be hanging out for two hours on Sunday So if that feels like something that your body is wanting and you want to come join us, the link to do so will be in the show notes. All right. So that's really the only big announcement this week. And if I think of any others, I'll just let you know throughout the episode. (laughs) Okay. So the other day, oh, there actually, I lied. There is one more. So I've been really feeling into the flow for the podcast. And I know I said this a couple episodes ago of like, I'm going to do three and then take a week off. And, you know, what feels really true for me is lately I've been getting like these big bursts of inspiration. And because I have like this rigid structure of like, I only can release blah, 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 blah. I'm finding that there's a bit of a compression. So For the summer season, at least, I am going to record when I have something important to share. And that might mean sometimes maybe you'll get three episodes in a week. I don't know. (laughs) But I'm going to start moving with the current of when there is something really there to share. That's when I'm going to publish it. So um, this will be potentially the last Friday that we're in like a very structured uh, sequence and you might notice episodes pop up at random days and times throughout the week and we're just going to move with this more feminine current uh, especially for the summer um, because that's just what I need in terms of going into my 40th year. There's just a lot of invitation into not only slowing down, but also really responding and acting when the inspiration is there. And when I feel that, you know, bubbling up of these are the things that are important that I want to share with you. So that is the other important announcement that I wanted to make. All right. So now into the session for today. So this past week, I did a post on Instagram about being afraid to open up because we've been hurt, but then we end up getting hurt again because we're not open. And there was a comment on the post, which I thought was a really great comment, and I wanted to jam on it. 
a little bit more. So the comment was, how do you work on not being too open though? What is balance? LOL. And I love this because we have this idea that if we are too open, we're going to get taken advantage of. That is usually the reason why we're a little skeptical on being too open. But the first thing I want to highlight about this question and query is that we want to look at the part that is asking the question. Because the part that is asking that question is a protective part. It's not an open part. It's a protective part. And whenever we let these protective parts do the driving of our life and our relationships, that's where they either drive us off a cliff or straight into a wall. <laughs> like, they're not very good drivers. <laughs> they don't really know how to get us to the destination of fulfillment. They don't know how to get us to the destination of deep, rich connection. And so whenever those parts are asking the questions, we do want to pay attention and we want to look and see, well, what is that part protecting? Now, there is likely some version of at one point I was really open and that got me hurt. So therefore, it is the openness and this is the equation that our mind makes that the openness is what caused the hurt. But when we really start to deconstruct this, and we do a lot of this in initiated, um, it is the path of relational mastery. So we are laying those foundations for relational mastery. And in order to do that, we have to unwind. We have to deconstruct some of our patterns, some of our beliefs, the way those, those manifest in our body, the ways that those manifest in our behavior, the ways that those manifest in the way that we dance in relationship. And when we start to do this deconstruction, we begin to befriend all of the parts to us. So we have our protective parts and those protective parts come online when we experience being really, really open and we don't necessarily have the capacity to maintain that openness. So what happens when we get hurt is there's a collapse. There's an energetic and emotional and sometimes even a physical collapse where you'll see your body actually like want a turtle on itself. If you've ever been hurt or you're, you know, experiencing something painful, your body naturally will turtle. So the shoulders will roll forward. There'll be a little caving of the chest and like we want to protect ourselves. So this is the body's instinctual need to protect your vital organs because it doesn't know what the threat is. It just knows that there's a threat because you're feeling pain. And this is where our you know emotional awareness and maturity has to come online is that even though we might be experiencing emotional pain or disappointment in whatever form it's coming in, uh, we have to remind our body that, you know, unless you're not safe, but we have to remind our body that we're actually safe even in the storm. 
And, you know, that is the, that is what we work on in the embodiment methodology. So we're working on getting in your body again and learning the signals of your body. Because for a lot of us, myself included, we live in a time that does not prioritize your embodiment and it prioritizes you bulldozing past the cues and signals of your body in order to, you know, hit a target that probably doesn't even mean much to you. And so we have years, sometimes for some of us decades, of overriding the signals of the body. So when something challenging happens, when something painful happens, we're not able to kind of pull it apart. Be like, yes, I'm hurting, but can I still stay open through the pain? Because the minute we close off, the minute we grip and we pinch off that energy because we're, we're blocking, we're protecting, uh, your life force can't flow freely. Okay. And when your life force isn't flowing freely through your system as it, you know, has potential to do again, like these protective parts will start to gain a lot more momentum, meaning they're the ones that are going to be leading the charge when you are in relationship land. So whether you are in a relationship or you want to be in one, when we have the protective parts that are leading the charge, what that does is it sets up a dynamic where it's untrue because you're not bringing the truth of who you are forward. You're bringing a representative. You are bringing a protective part. So the truth of who you are doesn't get to shine there. It only gets to shine when we are willing to be open. And there is no such thing as too open. Now, again, when we get hurt early on in our relational experiences, this is where the association happens. So whether that's in our childhood Uh, For a lot of us, it's actually more likely our adolescence when we start having relationships with people. But it's also possible if you had, um, you know, some really challenging things that you navigated in your childhood, the protective parts maybe came online earlier in relationship to, to relationships. So it's not always adolescence, but it's not always childhood. So you just have to assess like at what point did these protective parts come online for me and take the wheel? So at what point did they start driving the vehicle that is my life? We just have to look. We have to be honest. And then we can see like, oh yeah, there's been a lot of my life that I have spent, you know, not actually being open. And so let's say for argument's sake, your first experience of being really, really open um, was in adolescence. You fall in love with someone, um, you know, they stir 
all of the sensations inside of you. You fall head over heels for this person and it ends up not working out. So what will happen in the mind is the mind will make it mean that it was the openness that caused the hurt. If you hadn't have been so open, you wouldn't have gotten hurt. When in fact, your openness had very little to do with the hurt. The hurt is a byproduct of, you know, when we're talking about romantic relationships, a lot of the time it's, you know, uncommunicated expectations. And these uncommunicated expectations have us kind of pop off into fantasy where we're like, okay, this person and I are going to live happily ever after and our life is going to go like this, 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 this. And when that doesn't happen, boom, we get whacked. And, you know, sometimes the hurt comes because they can't choose us fully. But just because someone isn't a yes to you doesn't mean that you are unworthy of love and unworthy of being chosen and um, a mess of a human. It means none of that. It just means that there's misalignment between the two of you for whatever reason. And if we are really in the domain of love, what we're going to want is someone who is a yes to us to the same degree that we are a yes to them. And when we are playing in these fantasy pockets, when we're playing in these fantasy patterns, which are also kind of an offshoot of a protector, they are protective. They allow you to stay you know, literally out of your body and in your head, dreaming up a certain situation instead of being in the reality that is happening right now. And again, fantasy patterns develop for a good reason. You know, they often start to develop in childhood <clears throat> when we have to, you know, go through things that are tough. And as a little human, we have you know, not a fully developed brain or emotional system yet. And so it's one of the body's brilliant ways and the mind's brilliant ways to help you survive is to have you essentially dissociate and go off into a fantasy projection that is easier to connect to than the current reality. Now that fantasy pattern will serve you at a certain point in time. It'll help you get through something that was really hard for your system at the time. And then when we become adults and we want to have really healthy, functioning, thriving relationships, we have to begin to unwind that pattern of fantasy because it actually, you know, for a pattern that know, helps you survive at a certain chapter of your life, it actually works counter to your intention at a different chapter of your life. And if you're listening to this podcast, you are likely in that other chapter of your life where you can begin to, you know, unwind all of this, begin to look at it a little bit more. Um, and say, is this really in service to the thing that I am ultimately desiring? 
You'll hear me talk a lot, you know, in my containers, in my writing, on the podcast here, about the relational dream in your heart. Now, the relational dream in your heart is the part of you that is connected to that openness. It's connected to the truth of who you are. And it's generated from there. And when we have like this deep, rich connection to the relational dream in our heart, the picture, the intention that we have that we want to create in our relationships, in order to fulfill on that relational dream in our heart, there are certain things that have to go. There are certain parts of our personality, parts of our identity, uh, patterns, beliefs that have to go or at the very minimum be rewritten, you know, because you're always going to have parts of your identity, but you know, there are certain parts that, all right, maybe, (laughs) maybe this uh, part of my identity that needs to be right all the time, maybe, maybe that can uh, retire. Because it's not actually going to serve the relational dream in my heart. In fact, it's going to repel the relational dream in my heart. So we have to be willing to look at all of the parts at play. And as we do so, we begin to explore the frequency of openness. The frequency of openness is one where we still have discernment. This is where people get a little twisted and turned around because their context or their idea about openness is just like, I have no boundaries. (laughs) Just this porous being that people can come and go at their leisure and like there are no boundaries and there are no limits and there is no discernment happening. That will having very porous boundaries and you know having no discernment actually does not allow you to be really open you might think that you're open but you're not and true openness happens in connection with your boundaries and connection with your discernment because it is foolish to be wide open where people can just come and take anything that they want from you um, and just going through life that way. Like there's an openness to which I go through life, but I also have my discernment on. So there's a certain standard to which anyone who comes into my field on a personal level must meet. If they do not meet that standard, They don't get to come in. And my boundaries will reinforce that. And so it allows me to go through life open. And when I first meet someone, I go into that open. That doesn't mean that I am like spilling my guts and telling them my whole life story and oversharing and literally projectile vomiting all the things that I can't hold about myself onto them and thinking that that's openness because it's, it isn't. And this, you know, the TMI, the sharing too much all at once, 
um, sharing your whole life story and all of your trauma on date one is not being open. It's actually this really sneaky uh, cousin, let's say, of your protectors. Because that pattern of behavior, of oversharing, before you know that there's enough rapport for A, that person to be able to hold what you're going to say with reverence and respect, and to know that you know, whatever it is that you share, that they're not going to have some type of egoic reaction to. And if we're not like operating with that level of discernment, we're not fully anchored in our body and we're not in full approval of the things that we're sharing. You know, we're trying to off gas, like there's this discomfort in our system. We're trying to off gas it and literally dump it onto somebody else for them to hold, for them to process. So when people are oversharing, and whether this is on a date or in friendships where there isn't enough rapport, and I really need you to hear that because people will distort what I'm saying. Being like, oh, so I can never like tell people my story and my trauma and all this stuff. Well, I mean, that alone is like leading with a wounded part of your identity. So that's a whole other kettle of worms (laughs) to explore. Mm. But also like it's not true openness. And there isn't this discernment of is this person actually safe for me to share this stuff with? Have they, and I hate using the word earned, but like there is an element of, have they earned this level of rapport with me because of the ways that they have been investing equally into this relational container? So earning it is more like we've witnessed over time their willingness to invest into the relationship at about an equal pace to you. And we have enough information about that person that if we were to tell them something really vulnerable, that we know that they have capacity to hold it. But what happens with people who have the pattern of oversharing on date one is that their discernment isn't on. And so what they do is, and this this might be you, um, <clears throat> So what they do is any person who gets within like grabbing distance, they will grab onto them and then projectile vomit all of this really intense emotional material, which then freaks the other person out because they're like, what the fuck? Like this is way too much, way too fast. And what that also signals is a lack of boundaries not only a lack of boundaries on behalf of the person who's doing the oversharing, but a disregard for the boundaries of the other person. And that is a really tough thing to sit with. And this is why we have to do shadow work because, you know, parts of our identity, you know, the parts of our identity that want to be seen as a good person will have a really inflamed response to knowing that, Oh, wait, I'm a boundary bulldozer when I overshare, when there isn't rapport that has been anchored 
and built over time. Yikes. That is not a nice thing to admit about myself. That is not an easy thing to admit about yourself. But in the admission, that is where the liberation happens. So you will never be free of these patterns and their grip on you if you cannot admit that they're there. And if we just play out this denial of like, no, I don't do that. No, that's not true. Like, how dare you? Like, you're attacking me. Like, all of that spins you into victim consciousness where you don't have to take responsibility for yourself and your life. Now, that doesn't mean that you are responsible or at fault for the things that have happened to you. That maybe, you know, did pop you into this pocket of being victimized at some point. But victim consciousness is a very different thing. It's leading with the wounds. It's leading with this collapsed identity that I need to be rescued all the time. And I'm in this perpetual collapse. And it forces other people to either rescue you. And if they don't want to do that, then you get to villainize them as being a persecutor. This is the victim triangle. If you are not familiar with it, I would highly recommend that you go and you Google it and you do some research and you familiarize yourself with it. It is one of those foundational teachings that without it, we can't really go too far in the world of quantum love. <laughs> like quantum love, extraordinary relationships uh, require you to give up your position in the victim triangle, whatever that is. Like some of you might be rescuers. That's usually my default setting is to go in at the rescuer uh, door and let me try and rescue all of the people who are in the collapsed victim identity and protect them against the persecutor. And, you know, and then we all have different relationships where we play different roles and we try on those different identities. And some of us will be victims in certain relationships and persecutors in others and rescuers in others. Like it's this really insidious thing that we do as human beings that really keeps us almost like in this hamster wheel. And so you can never really get off of it and experience the true nourishing connection you're after if you're still on that victim consciousness hamster wheel. And you get off the hamster wheel by literally opening your awareness around these patterns. Being able to admit, yes, there are times when I really play on that victim consciousness. There are times when I'm really in rescuer. There are times when I'm really in persecutor. And every time I do that, I move myself further away from the truest thing. And it allows me to avoid what there is really there to deal with and what there really is to embody what there really is there to feel. So there's, again, a good reason why we'll collapse into that victim consciousness is so that we don't have to be responsible for ourselves so that we can continue in the fantasy 
of like somebody somewhere is going to rescue me from myself and when they arrive it'll just be perfectly magical and I'll just be magically open and they will be perfect and magically open and then we'll live happily ever after together. When in fact relational mastery is a path. It is a devotion. It is a practice of daily looking at, oh, what is what is coming up for me? You know, why am I behaving that way or why am I thinking that or what 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 is that pattern about for me? And we need spaciousness to unwind all of this. We need spaciousness to explore all of it. So that impulse to like get to the answer really fast and like just give me the quick fix or the pill to solve it all or the magic wand that has no business existing on the path of relational mastery in fact the path of relational mastery will incinerate all of that in its fires of initiation and if you want the deep rich fulfilling relationship There is a path of deconstruction within yourself that you will have to walk. There are skills that you will have to learn. And you will have to practice and embody. Because learning something intellectually doesn't automatically change your embodied experience. It doesn't change your behavior. Your behavior changes when you get triggered And you make a conscious choice in that moment to respond differently. You cannot, you know, get triggered and respond differently if you don't have awareness around your patterns and what you're doing. And if we don't have approval for all of it, it'll be way too spicy (laughs) to try and touch. And we won't do it because we think it makes us a bad person. And... You know, pretty much all this, the weird shit that we do in relationships is to avoid being labeled or known as a bad person. And in my next Embodied Alchemy series, which is going to be in August, we're going to start that in August, we're going to be working with that frequency. We're going to be working with that pattern of people pleasing, the good person programming, and we're going to start to unwind it so that you can get to the truth, you know, which is, you know, there's a difference between being a genuinely good person and the good person programming or good person identity. So good person programming, nice person programming is anything but nice and good. It has you be wildly untruthful and dishonest because you're not being true about who you are and what's real for you. And our whole society is built on this pattern. Well, don't, you can't say what you're really feeling because what if you hurt grandma's feelings? Or like, you know, you can't, you can't tell the truth about, you know, your best friend and their pattern because they might have an egoic eruption about that and be threatened and not want to be friends with you anymore. Like there's all of these places in our family systems, in our social circles, in our workplaces 
where we are collapsing into an identity that isn't true in order to please other people, in order to keep the peace, in order to be seen as a good person versus, you know, unwinding all of that so that you can be the embodiment of a good and kind person. So we're going to dive into all of that in August. So if that, if the people pleasing, if, you know, you're tired of playing all of those games and you're like, oh, my system's so tired from not being true. And I, I want to shift this and I'm committed and devoted to shifting it. Um, then my invitation is for you to come join us in August. I'd love to have you. And, you know, in terms of, you know, coming back to this openness conversation, when we are truly open, we are in connection with all parts of who we are. So there are no parts of us that are exiled. There are no parts that were like, ooh, you're bad and I hope no one finds out about you. So I'm going to use all of my energy to try and keep you locked away. We're not doing any of that. But we do, because we are in right relationship with all parts of us, there's approval for all parts of us. It means that we have a degree of reverence for our story. We have reverence for the things that we've gone through. So those moments where you might have gone through something traumatic, where maybe you were legitimately victimized, you have reverence for the tenderness of that. Meaning we don't just spill that willy-nilly to anybody. We open and reveal the truth of that to people who we know on some level have the capacity to hold that with reverence as well. doesn't mean that they have to choose us when we reveal those pieces, but it does mean that they will respond with respect baseline. And you will only know that about someone after you've kind of been in connection with them for a little bit. See how they respond when things don't go their way. You know, when their order at the restaurant gets messed up, who do they become? Because if they turn into a snap show, chances are they do not have the emotional maturity or the capacity in their nervous system to hold something really, really significant. And so in that regard, the what openness would look like is opening to the truth of hmm, maybe this is not the person for me and being able to touch that truth. But if we're not willing to touch that truth, then we're going to slip into fantasy and we're going to create this whole fantasy of who they are and we're not in reality with them anyway. And that's when you get hurt. You get hurt when you're in the fantasy and then the reality smacks you straight in the face being like, that is not what I was thinking was going to happen. We get really hurt again when we have these expectations that are either uncommunicated or they're just really outside of the range of what's possible for the dynamic. Um, 
you know, we get hurt when people don't choose us. So our rejection wounds, our abandonment wounds, our humiliation wounds, our betrayal wounds, our injustice wounds can all get triggered. And when that happens, if we don't know how to be with ourselves when those triggers happen, then again, we're going to go into some weird (laughs) configuration to try and A, hide those parts at, while at the same time trying to pull someone in closer. And then that doesn't work. And when people can feel that they're being pulled on or used in that way, they will leave. And again, that will reinforce the wound that you can't be with. So there is a lot of internal work that we have to do in order to really be open with discernment. If you do not have boundaries, um, this is something that will really support your opening and your ability to be open is having very clear boundaries. Like what is a yes for you and what is a no for you? Do you know what that is? And more importantly, are you willing to back it up? Are you willing to do the thing that is uncomfortable or maybe, you know, hurts someone's, you know, idea of what is happening in order to stay true to yourself? In order to stay in right relationship with reality, are you willing to do that? Because a lot of people aren't. A lot of people are not willing to do that. And the consequence of that is that their relationships are mediocre at best. You know, they exist in relationships where they're, they don't feel met. They don't feel a deep sense of connection, intimacy, playfulness, um, inspiration, There isn't a lot of growth that's happening in the relationship or, you know, you're moving in um, different directions and that can feel really lonely. It can feel really scary. And, you know, part of that comes down to like, let me be clear about my boundaries and let me be discerning about who I invest my life force with. If you don't relate to yourself as someone who is deeply worthy, then we might, you know, settle for someone who's good enough in the sense of, you know, they aren't really showing me that they have the emotional capacity to really be a healthy relational adult. But I don't really see myself as worthy of that anyway, so let me just choose them and play out some of these patterns and some of these beliefs. And we'll do that until we don't. We will do that until we've had enough of it. And when we've had enough of it, that's when we step onto the path of relational mastery, to be totally honest. like Most people will not come to the path of relational mastery until they have a reason to. And usually that reason is years, sometimes decades of relational disappointment. And there's still that seedling of truth in you that is like, there is something more. It is possible for that relational dream in your heart to come to fruition. But again, we can't do the same things we've always done 
and get a new result. We have to literally change the way that we're doing things um, in order to get a different result. And so this is where, you know, how do I be open but not too open? Well, too open is going to send you on that path of I'm just protecting myself. The, the part of me that's asking that question is the part of me that's trying to protect from hurt instead of accepting the fact that hurt is a part of the process of being human. You cannot avoid it. And the more you come into right relationship with there are going to be things in life, there are going to be relationships in life that hurt your feelings. You could have the best partner in the world and that person is still going to hurt your feelings sometimes. You're still going to be disappointed sometimes. Things aren't going to work out how you planned. That is part of earth school. And If we can't even get into right relationship with that reality, we can't really create much in terms of quantum love in our relationships. Because to work with the quantum field requires you to be in right relationship with reality. And if we are walking through life with our protection mechanisms that are hiding like this very, you know, intense fragility because that's really what it is and I know that is probably not going to feel good to hear like there's this fragile part of me that can't handle being disappointed or can't handle being hurt Um, can't handle it when things don't go my way or when things don't go according to plan you know that's a really tricky thing but it's true You know, when we're talking about threads of truth, we're talking about the frequency of truth. And naming truth in this day and age is something that a lot of people find very offensive. Because in order to name truth, it means that there are parts of our identities that have to die. In order to remain in relationship with reality. In order to co-create with the forces of love. You got to be honest with yourself. You got to be honest. And when we ask a question of, well, how do I be open but not too open? Start the inquiry there. What part of me is asking that question? And what is that part protecting? And what does that part actually need that it hasn't been getting from me? And then your work is to begin tending to the thing that you actually need. And when you're tending to the thing that you actually really need, the whole conversation of like, ooh, am I too open here? It it doesn't even come up. It's not even a thing. It only comes up when we have all of this undigested emotional debris that we haven't we haven't processed, we haven't integrated, and we're trying to keep it all locked down. That's when that conversation comes up. And, you know, same with the whole, like, I'm so sick of being open. Like, I'm open every time. Well, if you're open every time, like, that, it's kind of neutral. Like, I'm, I'm open every time, but I'm sick of being open is not actually the true statement. 
the truer statement is I'm sick of my patterns. I'm sick of this closing that I do that doesn't allow me to not only discern, you know, whether someone is aligned for me or not, and doesn't allow me to really bring up my boundaries when I need to advocate for myself. Because when we're not advocating for ourselves, we're not actually protecting ourselves and we're not discerning in terms of like, who should I continue to invest with? Because again, like the wounded part is doing the driving. This hungry part that is so starved for love is doing the driving. And so we need to, you know, anyone who kind of comes along the path, we're like, okay, you'll do. And once we kind of get our hooks into them, we're like, we can't let you go. (laughs) And then when they like inevitably like wiggle out of our grasp, um, we're devastated by that. And maybe you've been on the flip side of that where this has been done to you and you know how gross it feels when someone's doing it and you you actually want to slither away. You're like, I got to get out of here. You know, most likely you've experienced both. It would be very rare if you hadn't experienced both. Um, and you know, we really want to look at that in terms of like, I'm, I'm so sick of being open. Well, no, it's not the openness. Again, it's not the openness that caused the problem. It's everything underneath that has not been integrated that's causing the problem. And, you know, there are certain elements of, you know, other people's behavior will impact you. Okay. So let's say you're, for argument's sake, you've actually been really open, you're discerning, your boundaries are on, and then you come across someone who is just an asshole. And they are mean for the sake of being mean. Now, that doesn't mean that you have to take responsibility for their behavior. That is not what we do here. So that experience, we would have to sit with, you know, the truth that some people are cruel. Some people like actually get off on hurting other people. I mean, it's, it's in my experience, like that's a, a smaller demographic of people, but they do exist. And if that is the case, you know, we, we, to stay like really anchored in that of like, feel your feelings around that of disappointment, of hurt, of pain and you know, we don't take on the responsibility for their behavior. As long as you know that you have acted within your own integrity here throughout that entire dynamic, and yes, they may have done or said things that were really hurtful, there's also this deeper thread of truth that you can connect to of like, yes, even though they have said and done things that have really hurt me and like whacked all of my wounds Like I know deep down that how I showed up, I can be proud of myself for that. And I'm not taking on their shit. I'm not going to process their stuff for them. I have enough of my own (laughs) to process. So there is that element too of, you know, that sometimes the reason why you're hurt is because someone has done something that is legitimately hurtful. And I maybe this will be a conversation for another time of like this whole concept of everything's a mirror. 
because um, it is and it isn't. And it's the great paradox of life. <laughs> like We live in a world that is both logical and linear and mysterious and complex that is full of paradox. And that's what makes it challenging to be human sometimes because we're like, wait, we want it to be logic linear so that we have a sense of control and certainty, but then life will throw us into flux by bringing us a paradox like everything's a mirror and it's also not. <laughs> and so I'll save that for another day because we are, we're nearing our time here today. But, you know, we really want to take a look at what is my actual relationship to openness? And if I were to be really open, um, that means the parts of me that I'm keeping hidden or the parts of me that I have exiled, they no longer can sit in the shadows. They have to be integrated into who I am. I have to meet those parts with approval and love them back into wholeness. I have to be able to admit that there are parts of me that are mean or cruel or vindictive or jealous or envious. Like I have to be able to admit the, those things about myself in order to be in right relationship with truth. And once I'm in right relationship with truth, that is when I can truly open. And when I can truly open, then I know that I've got my discernment on one side and I have my boundaries on the other side and I've got my back. So I can go in open and then as soon as someone shows me who they are and if they show me that they are someone who does not meet the baseline standard for the quality of character that of a person that I keep in my life, they're done. And I have no problem saying goodbye forever, have a nice incarnation, you have no more access to me. And that's not me being closed off and cold. That's just me protecting my openness. That is me honoring and respecting and revering my openness because I'm not going to invest with someone who can't meet me. And when we start being really responsible for ourselves and like, am I leaning into a connection and giving, giving, giving and not receiving in equal measure? then we're also not in a pocket of openness. We're in some type of collapse. We are in some type of dance or pattern, um, maybe a wound cycle, but we're not in this open field of love where we are literally anchored in our body. We are present. We are in right relationship with reality and we are in this field of openness. Because that's a whole different ballgame and it requires your embodiment. So if you want to come and play with your embodiment this weekend, I highly like just suggest and invite you to come to the class this weekend where we're going to work on that embodiment. We are going to talk about the true you know, frequency of nourishment. And how that, you know, supports you in not only bringing some of these pieces out in from the shadows and being loved into wholeness, but also allowing more of the truth of who you are to emerge and emerge at a pace that is appropriate 
for the level of intimacy, connection, and ultimately like how much you actually know the other person in front of you. Because again, if you're slipping into wanting to tell them your whole life story on date one, you know nothing about that person. You know nothing about their ability to actually hold what you have to say with reverence and respect and essentially like keep it safe with you. You don't know that they have the ability to do that. And you will only know that if you are going through open, but with your discernment on and your boundaries in place. And without that, then we're just (laughs) going in. We're like, anybody can have access to me in any part. Like, just take whatever you want. And of course, that's going to fuck you up. Of course, that's going to hurt you. Because that's not true openness. True openness comes from a deeply embodied place. It's not a mental construct. It's a deep embodiment. And it's something that is felt. It's a frequency. And this is where it gets really interesting. It gets into the more magic conversations of like being in our body. These are the frequencies of, you know, love. They're the frequencies of openness. They're the frequencies of being deeply and richly connected in your own body, in your own system, so that you can open powerfully and connect powerfully with another. So that's all I have to say about that today. (laughs) And um, I have some other things that I'm going to want to be sharing with all of you very, very soon. And um, as I said, if you'd like to come join us on Sunday, I would love to have you. And the next series for the Embodied Alchemy, the eight-week series, will start in August. So you've got a bit of a summer break. And I think I'm just going to take July and have it be a little bit spacious. Um, It is my 40th birthday, so I'll fill you guys in a little bit more on that later. And um, I love you all. I hope you have a great rest of your day. And I will talk to you all the next time I feel the spark. (laughs) of inspiration of something to share. We'll talk to you soon.